Today's episode is brought to you by Entire Productions. Are you planning a meeting or an event? Don't pull your hair out or lose sleep. Entire Productions is the CBD for your virtual event aches and pains. We had achieved every accolade. We were Michelin rated. We were busy all the time. And yet still we were struggling with the finances. Like every restaurant, it's a game of pennies. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. I'm putting the finishing touches on a digital course for entrepreneurs to learn how to scale and grow their companies and find more profit in their current revenue. To download the free profit finder guide that I've created and also to put yourself on the wait list for the course, go to natashamiller.co. This is Josh Coble. I'm a Michelin rated restaurateur and a tech pioneer, helping to chart the course for the entire hospitality industry. Check out my playbook for success on the Fascinating Entrepreneurs podcast with Natasha Miller. What does a Michelin-rated restaurateur do when COVID hits? He closes up shop and reinvents himself. Josh Kopel has been in the hospitality industry for over 10 years with great success and some failures. We'll talk to him about how the pandemic helped shape his future endeavors and what he's looking forward to. Now let's get right into it. Prune Proper Michelin rated fine dining seated in downtown Los Angeles, had it for six years, plus the year it took me to build it. 504 Hollywood, had it for a decade. It was a uh, New Orleans inspired dive bar on Hollywood Boulevard. And then South City Fried Chicken, which was my response to the fried chicken craze, uh, which we had for about a year and a half. Still very valid, that chicken fried chicken phase. So you know me, and this is what I want to know. Let's talk numbers. So what is the um, general net profit in the restaurant industry? What is that 6%. average? 6%. 6%. 6% is the average for full, for full service. And what... Um, is that the same for bars and for the chicken restaurant, fast casual? No. So the bar was much closer to 20 to 30%, depending on the year, much, much higher. Uh, but, you know, I guess we should talk about ratios, right? So food to booze. Uh, the fine dining restaurant netted out about 10% and I was 50-50, food to booze. Uh, the fast casual was all food, no booze. And the net was probably about 4 to 5%. Uh, and then Did you know uh, that going in, no, um, I had no idea because <laughs> the, the obvious question that's going to come up is obviously you're making hand over fist in the bar with booze, right? Absolutely. And the bar itself that. financed the fine dining restaurant. Yeah, for you three sold years. that rest or that you sold that club. Why? Liability bandwidth. Um, the bar itself was a cash register, which is phenomenal. But the bigger concern is you know, I was always worried about getting sued. I was always facing mm -hmm. workers' comp issues to the point where we landed on the state fund, which is $50,000 a year for workers' comp. So, you know, at some point it becomes less about money and more about quality of life. Yes. Until, right? And so, you know, for me, 
based off the trajectory that I had envisioned for my career, the bar was a great jumping off point in that it took me from being an unknown quantity uh, in the hospitality industry in Los Angeles to making me well-known and getting me the, the press that I needed to build a career outside of that. Um, did you know when you started that bar that you, did you have a path forward mm-hmm. to prune proper, to mm-hmm. fine dining? Um, yes, but I didn't end up walking that path. Okay. So there is a, uh, there's actually a clip people can find online, which is me standing in front of Prue and Proper. Uh, and, and it's on the front page of the LA Times food section. And it says 504 is coming to downtown LA. So Prue and Proper was actually intended to be the second location for 504. Ah, yes. Okay. It w- that I was just going to expand that one concept. But businesses like children take on a life of their own. And and midway through building it out, I I realized that based off what that market needed and what we were already creating on some subconscious level, I had decided to evolve the concept. And because it was fancier, significantly noticeably fancier than 504, it would have been very difficult to tell that story publicly that these have the same name, but they are very different. Right, right. Completely. So, I mean, you, the way you describe the bar is dive bar and prune yep. and proper just by the name alone. Oh yeah. I, I know that, you know, you renamed that, but, but also the facade and the building that I I've been to the restaurant wouldn't have translated terribly well. Exactly. To dive bar. You'd have, you'd have to do a lot of work to wreck that place. Yeah. yeah. Dive bar. Okay. So we're going to fast forward. We know your numbers and I'm so glad that you're okay with saying them out loud. As you know, I'm on a, um, I'm on the bandwagon of getting down to reality. Revenue is great and it drives, I mean, you have to have revenue to have a business, but profit is really, um, actually, you know, the sanity and you are married and you have a child. And so this life of the bar and the um, overhanging fear of lawsuits and such and liability doesn't really bode well for, you know, your new lifestyle. So let's talk about COVID really quick and just get it out of the way. You did what in March? I closed the restaurant. So I, I had started, I guess we should, we should drop back to fourth quarter of last year. Over a year ago, over a year and a half ago, I started what, what was a technology company to solve my own problem, which was answering the phones at the fine dining restaurant and, and at the bar for that flow, matter. Right? Flow. And that is flow. Yes. It, it was a it was a side hustle I had started to solve my own problems, which eventually became a, a beast on its own. And so I found myself in the B2B space servicing other restaurants with the technology we had created. Um, so fourth quarter of last year, I decided to streamline. I sold the bar, I sold the fast casual concept so that I could focus on the fine, dine, the fine dining restaurant and flow. Uh, in March, being an owner and an operator, I had unique insight into what was going on you know, w- within the hospitality industry relative to this virgining pandemic. And it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all. I knew it was going to be more than the three weeks that the state was going to mandate that we shut down dine-in operations. I was overwhelmed with fear about keeping my team safe, my patrons safe, and most importantly, my family safe. So I knew we weren't going to reopen in three weeks. At that point, I turned to my business partner and I said, let's see if we can offload it. Let's try and sell it. And we were able to actually. 
you decided oh, yeah. a lot earlier on than I expected or that I know, knew. So interesting. You were psychologically ready for that, that change in your life. Well, let's get, let's get back to the numbers. So the reason they, I knew that in the best of years, Prue and Proper wasn't making a ton of money, bottom line. And so with the rocky road ahead, I didn't know how we were going to be able to sustain ourselves uh, in the worst of times when we weren't doing particularly well in the best of times. That we had achieved every, every accolade. We were Michelin rated. We were busy all the time. And yet still we were struggling with the finances. Like every restaurant, it, it's a game of pennies. And, and if that's the case, you know, in, in the booming, bustling economy of 2019, how on earth are we going to survive in 2020? So I took that as my opportunity to step out and try and find a more prudent path forward within the industry. And this is actually the segue is one of the reasons why I do find you a true fascinating entrepreneur, because you went from bar to Michelin rated fine dining to flow, which was a really great pivot. And that is what an entrepreneur to me is, is that you're looking for, you're looking at, and you're open to the ideas of something new. And flow is not a restaurant. It is not a bar. It is not a fast casual restaurant. It is a technology and it's B2B and it's amazing. So, but from there, here is what I think is fascinating. We're going to talk about full comp. We're going to talk about <laughs> in-house delivery. And we're going to talk about Pineapple Post. So full comp, lay it on me. What is it all about? I'm just a dude with a shovel looking for holes to fill. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I, looked at the, uh, I looked at the hospitality landscape. I, obviously, I was unemployed in March. So I had ample opportunity to listen to a bunch of podcasts read a bunch of articles and they were all talking about how the pandemic had obliterated the hospitality industry. And I just didn't see it that way. And maybe it's because I spent my entire professional life within the industry, always teetering on failure, using the profits from one business to finance the losses of another. And I just didn't see that, that my businesses or the industry at large was seated on a solid foundation. So I wanted to have that conversation. I started by saying, here's the problem with the industry. No one cared. I said, well, you know, these are the problems with your business. No one wanted to hear it. So then I said, these are the problems with my business and my company and myself as a leader and as a manager and how I've chosen to run my companies. And that message resonated. So I decided to have that conversation with other people on why a public platform. Why do you think that platform. resonated? Because people are looking for what's in it for me. So why was shining a light on you the answer. Because vulnerability is a superpower and yeah. vulnerability gives people the courage to talk about themselves and to talk about their own issues. Uh, my industry by and large is very closed off and people don't want to talk about how difficult it is because if they did, then collectively we would all have to deal with the, these foundational issues. So we all ignored it. We all lied to each other. And when I stood up and I said, Hey, I'm having real issues and, and I would love the opportunity to talk with you about your issues and we can collectively come up with solutions. That message resonated and it went from being an idea to a platform and that platform created an audience, which eventually evolved into a community. So how did comp. you, 
How did you um, approach Yelp, your sponsor, uh, for um, their partnership? I got lucky. They approached me. Um, they they were looking to be part of the conversation. They were looking to have a role in the recovery of the restaurant industry. We we had a relationship. Uh, they knew who I was. They knew that Full Comp was a thought leadership project that had actually started fourth quarter of last year that had been evolving over time. Okay, so Full Comp, how many episodes had you recorded before Yelp came to you? Zero. Whatever. <laughs> You're the luckiest, most fascinating entrepreneur on the planet. Okay, so um, Yelp really enables you to to put out these podcasts uh, two a week. Yelp helped me get an audience. Yelp helped with lines of distribution. Uh, It was, uh, I was able to work with the team over there to create what I believed was a world-class product, right? That the podcast looked good. It sounded good. There was cohesive branding. Uh, And then through that strategic partnership, that enabled me to get the distribution, to get the, the wide audience, the, the, the legitimacy that their brand plus the audience provided me with gave me the opportunity to get huge guests on the show, whether we're talking about John Taffer or Seth Godin. Yeah, um, and why did, why did John Taffer talk to you? Was it you? Was it um, your viewership or listenership? Was it Yelp? Do you even know? Some combination of all of that. And the fact that, you know, I'm a... I'm a true believer. Like it's, I don't have like a standardized email that I send out requesting that people be on the show. You know, w- when I reached out to Seth Godin, who I friggin' idolize. <laughs> um, that was you know, a great episode. That he is a great man and, and so prolific in, in in the ideas of how to how to organically grow your audience by supplying value. And, and every every page that I took was a page off of his playbook. But when I reached out, I it was as a as a fan, as somebody that genuinely cares, and some mixture of the message that I provided with, plus the timing of him releasing a new book resonated, and we were able to make that work. But it, it's everyone that I have on the show is somebody that I selfishly want to talk to. Full comp is a selfish exploit. I tell everyone. I talk to the people that I want to talk to. I ask the questions that I want to ask. And then I put it out there for the world to hear. But how these do you are the react? People. I'm sorry to interrupt, but how do you react yeah. to people that come to you that want to be on your show um, that are in your industry that you really aren't interested in, in interviewing? Or has um, that happened? That has. Uh, I just think it's a bad fit. You know, when people come to us with with products and services, I think that the reason the show resonates is because we're not selling anything. Um, Yelp has been an amazing strategic partner in the way that they've taken a back seat. They don't control the content. They they don't mandate ten to twelve ads per episode. Right. Uh, you know, they they came at it with the right intention, and I'm I'm not there to sell people on anything. If there's a technology that I think is truly innovative and helpful. I, I, I want to get that out there, but it's, you know, the goal with every episode is the same and, and it, it makes it really easy to vet uh, potential candidates for, for interviewing, which is, is someone going to be able to walk away from this interview, having listened to it and have something that they can take into their day-to-day life 
whether it's either a tool or a resource or a new way to look at the world. And it's, again, I'm, I'm super specific. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Number one, it's free. Number two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Isn't it such a a freeing feeling to be giving, 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 even though you're taking because you're, you're enjoying it. Now you're, I mean, you were giving hospitality, you were get, you were giving great um, memories, both, you know, in taste and smell and, you know, the, the experience, but now you're really mentoring and teaching people that you may not even be aware of. And that has to feel pretty powerful unless you're not aware of it. I guess there's a large audience and and I appreciate that. But, you know, one of the things that I wanted in this world where everybody is an expert and I can totally appreciate that. I wanted to be the hinge and not the door. I didn't want to be the guy that stood up and said, Hey, I have great ideas. Listen to my great ideas. I wanted to say, Hey, here's somebody that has great ideas. I'm sure you have a bunch of questions for them. Hey, me too. Let's talk about it. Great. And, and, and I think that that's created the accessibility that created the broad market. So out of that, you have some new endeavors, which are rocking my world. And um, I don't, let's talk about inhousedelivery.com first. Let's do it. So hopefully you will never end up being sponsored by Uber Eats or Grubhub because I'm about to throw the book at them. One of the things that I try to do with Flow uh, is the same thing that we try to do with in-house delivery, which is solve a foundational issue within the system, something that is obviously wrong. Uh, Third-party delivery doesn't work for restaurants. It doesn't work for customers. It doesn't work for the drivers that that are transitioning. It doesn't work for the third-party delivery companies themselves. Nobody's making money. Uber Eats doesn't make any money. The drivers don't make any money. The restaurants don't make any money. And the customers are charged a premium. It's it's an unfortunate circumstance. And especially when you see the delivery rates went from 10% of gross sales to 90% of gross sales, uh, it really highlights the inefficiencies in the system. So I asked myself, what's the future of third-party delivery? The future of third-party delivery is first-party delivery. That the restaurants take it in-house, that they do it themselves. Uber, Grubhub, DoorDash, they masquerade as, as infrastructural solutions, right? To help you deliver to customers. But what they really are are marketplaces. They charge you a premium for access to your own customers. They're getting and it from both sides, right? They are. From the restaurant and from the consumer. And so rather than than being that barrier between you and your customer, I said, let's offer the same service that they're providing and we'll offer the infrastructure to where you can offer delivery. We'll offer you the independent contractors or help you set up your staff if you want to use them in-house. The technology Uh, as well. The technology. It's a technology company. It's a technological solution. And so we provide you with the tech and then Uber Eats and Grubhub become what they were always intended to be, which is 
a marketplace for new customers and you take your existing customers off those platforms and service them yourselves, you leveraging our tech to do so. And this is a startup at this point. It is. Yeah. It is. And you will be, or are you operating yet or will when will you be? We are operating currently. And the results have been staggering. Our current clients see a 25 to 50% reduction in delivery costs. Uh, the, the conversion is, is through the roof. We provide you with all the conversion materials you need so that when a Grubhub driver sends out or delivers to someone, you've provided materials so they know how to deliver from you in-house moving forward. Uh, and the onboarding is as simple as could be. We provide uh, operational efficiencies that you wouldn't find anywhere else through dispatch, through driver routing. Uh, we also provide customer feedback privately so that you don't get slammed on public platforms, but you are made aware of issues. Yeah, so many questions. One, are you an investor or do you own this company? I am a partner in this company. So that's big time. Yeah. Two, what regions, where is it available or is it limited? We're available almost through the entire country. We're through in 44 states currently. Um, well, okay. I would like to get that information to my friends that own restaurants immediately, which I will do. I thought I had to wait. And then um, investors, are you backed by venture capital, angel? Are you bootstrapped? Angels currently? It's, it was bootstrapped for quite some time. We do have some angels involved as well. Hmm. It, it is definitely the, the solution of the moment, right? And so yeah. in order to scale this thing up and scale it up rapidly in the next six months, um, we, we've taken on investor capital to grow at a more rapid rate. And who beside Uber Eats, Caviar, Grubhub, who is there an independent competitor out there right now? No, ma'am. Damn. I might consider investing. Okay, <laughs> moving right on to Pineapple Post. Um, newsletters. It's interesting that newsletters and podcasts have risen to the top it's kind of like, you know, phases back in the old days, we had only radio to listen to, then radio moved to TV, and we thought radio would be obliterated. It really wasn't. It changed. Now we're back to basically radio with podcasts, and newspapers, print, are a little bit on the, you know, obsolete side, but newsletters have risen to the top again. So what is Pineapple Post? How can we find it? What's it about? Uh, they can go to pineapple.com or pineapplepost.news to sign up, but it's a really simple concept. Uh, you know, through through the full comp, let's call it media universe, we're creating a ton of content and creating a ton of value. But I wanted a, a platform whereby I could share other people's valuable content because it's not just about creation, right? It's also about curation. So the Pineapple Post is a weekly email that goes out on Sundays and we curate the best content from the week. And it, it's the, the news and the information and the resources that, that you need to stay informed. And, and a very small portion of it comes from me and the media universe that we've created. And a lot more of it comes from the, the podcasters and the news outlets that, that are creating a ton of value for readers and, and listening. Who is your target demographic here? Uh, restaurant owners and operators, and generally speaking, hospitality professionals and enthusiasts. Okay, great. So that's, I mean, it's exhausting looking at this paper <laughs> of what you're doing. I do have two other things. So one is flow. 
you're putting a pin in that or are you closing it or are you going to ramp it up when we can all get together and eat in person? Timing is everything. So flow is currently rocking and rolling and it'll continue to do so. And, and as we get back to dine in business, I believe that that will, that will begin to ramp up again. Great. Now, can people in the restaurant industry and in the hospitality industry work with you one-on-one as a coach to help them with anything, the restaurant endeavors, podcast endeavors, newsletter endeavors, technology company endeavors. Is that something that you're open to doing? In- Absolutely. Anyone can contact me for any reason through the website and set up a 15 minute call. Great. We're going to have all the links to everything Josh Copel, um everywhere. But if you want to give the one link uh, verbally that you want people to identify with, joshcopel.com is the easiest way to get in touch with me and to see all of the projects we're working on. Awesome. Anything that you want to add at the end? Um, I am going to ask you uh, about some of the apps that you use, but um, anything that you really want to fire on before we say goodbye? Absolutely. Um, it you listen you listen to an interview like this, and it's all good news. And, and I must say that back in March, uh, I filed for unemployment for the first time in my life, and I filed for unemployment with a wife and a two-year-old daughter. Uh, I I was never more scared in my life. I had sold off two businesses, but you know, in March I shut down a business that I had dedicated almost a decade of my life to. And and I I didn't sell it because I wanted to. I sold it because I felt like I needed to. And I was back at zero. I asked myself, what is the one investment I could make that I wouldn't regret in six months or in six years? For me, it was building an audience, starting a conversation, creating a platform. And that, that has served me incredibly well and has led to everything that we've discussed on this episode. But, but so much of it comes down to one decision that I made. And it was that I wasn't going to let the world or circumstance stop me from doing what I believed in my heart was my calling, which is serving people. And if I couldn't do it through food and beverage, I would serve my industry through you know, the creation and curation of resources and tools and information. And, uh, and so, you know, one of the things Seth Godin talks a lot about, especially in our episode is that you don't need permission to do great work. You can do it on your own. And so that's what I would advocate for. Beautifully stated and such a needed message right now for so many people. So if you're down and out, if you're in a hole, climb out a little bit, peek up, listen to Josh's podcast and start creating. Thank you so much. That was my pleasure. That was Josh Copel. For more information about him, Full Comp, his newsletter, Pineapple Post, coaching, and his app, inhousedelivery.com, please check out the show notes. For more information about me, go to my website, natashamiller.co. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs.